Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is, no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. I have a three-word suggestion for the governor of the state of Wisconsin that might help him find his way out of the economic mess that we are in. That three words, open your mail. I, I'm, I'm listening to the governor talk about how, well, the, the, the Republicans, they, they don't have a plan. They, they just All they did was, was sue me. Well, okay, yes, they, they, there is a lawsuit that is pending in the Supreme Court. I think it is quite likely that if the Supreme Court elects to hear it, the governor will lose. Why will the governor lose? Not because the people who are bringing the suit don't care about the safety of people in this, in this state, simply because the, the governor, it's a gross overreach. As I've said before, we do not, we elect governors, we elect presidents. We don't elect kings. The law says what the powers of an elected official are. We've seen this with the last two presidents, President Obama and President Trump, who I think have lost sight of that somewhat, and we're seeing that play out in Wisconsin. In the case, and I'm just going to try to make this as simple as possible, the governor has the authority to declare an emergency. That is under the statute. And he has an authority to um, extend that emergency for an extra 30 days. He did it. He declared an emergency in early March, and then he extended it for another 30 days. It expires, that 60 days expires sometime, what, May 12th, May 13th, something in, in that area, as you count it. He doesn't have the authority to extend beyond that. And I think the law is crystal clear in that regard. So the governor is saying, well, people don't care about lives. Well, no, I mean, you, you only have so much authority. The governor's argument appears to be that regardless of what the law says, I can designate this authority to the health commissioner to continue indefinitely a state of emergency without consulta- consulting with the legislature. I don't think that's the law. I don't think the court's going to figure it out and find it to be the law. So, that, but, but beyond that, the governor is saying, oh, I, nobody else has a plan. They, they sued me, but they don't have a plan. To which I say again three words, open your mail. Because last week, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, the, the big business group that um, cares, I think, about the 300-plus thousand Wisconsinites who've lost their job, they sent out a very, very detailed plan, which my understanding is has been embraced by large chunks of the legislature, talking about how to get the state reopened. And it provides for a regional reopening based on where the hot spots are. It provides circuit breakers 
so that if, for example, in the unlikely event that you open up Chippewa Falls and you have a huge number of, I don't know, infected people from Kenosha who race to Chippewa Falls and then the numbers spike there, which I think is incredibly unlikely to happen, but all right, you know, maybe that's not the case. It provides for circuit breakers that allow you to come in and then just to dial it back. But, but there are plans that are out there. The governor just chooses not to follow them. And for the life of me, I do not understand why the governor stubbornly refuses to embrace the whole concept of opening the state regionally, which is not only allowed, but it is encouraged by the national guidelines, and it is the strategy that many, many governors are following now. I, I sent out a tweet, if you follow me, at, uh, at Jeff Wagner 620. Okay, New York which has been hit the hardest, arguably, anywhere in the country by the, by COVID-19. I mean, New York is getting ready to reopen regionally with circuit breakers in place that are similar to, for example, what was set forth in the, the WMC approach here. Um, they're, but they're recognizing, the governor of New York is recognizing, hey, we have a different problem in New York City, which is in one part of the state, than we do in Albany, which is another part, than we do in Buffalo. And we're going to reopen regionally based on what the various needs are. The governor of the state of Wisconsin steadfastly refuses to adopt that strategy. And again, I, I sent out this tweet talking about how more and more people are recognizing the regional approach is the way to go. And I, for the life of me, do not understand why. A regional reopening would work for New York. It would work for California. But somehow it's not going to work for Wisconsin, where quite candidly, in the vast majority of the state, we do not have a huge outbreak of coronavirus. I mean, I track the numbers every week. And what what are the numbers last week, week to week? 62 of the 72 counties had 10 or fewer new cases of coronavirus. 58 of those uh, 62 had five or fewer. And, and again, I understand the fear is, well, gee, if, if we start to reopen, we're going to have all sorts of people pouring in from Kenosha to Chippewa Falls or, or whatever. Okay, well, if that happens in that unlikely event, but if that happens, all right, then what you need to do is maybe you need to ratchet stuff up. But meanwhile, how can you shutter main streets all across the state on the thought that maybe something that hasn't happened is suddenly going to happen. So anyway, you can check it out. I've got a link to the Wall Street Journal story that's out there. But this idea that there's not a plan or there aren't alternatives, maybe the governor needs to open his mail. There's another tweet that I sent out as well, because one of the things that I'm starting to wonder is, do we need to rethink some of our premises? And that is, are we so sure that we know everything we think of is, is correct. Okay, for example, April 6th, the Secretary of Health and Human Services for Wisconsin, the Acting Secretary, Andrea Palm, I, I, I sent this out in a tweet. I, I went back, I, I found the story. Here's what she said. This is a direct quotation. In-person voting would, without question, accelerate the transmission of COVID-19 and increase the number of cases. And an increase in the number of cases would result in more deaths. 
in-person voting would, without question, accelerate the transmission of COVID-19 and increase the number of cases. Okay, this was in connection with the argument about how we shouldn't have the election. Again, I don't want to debate whether we should have gone ahead with the election or, or, or not. We, we did. That's water under the bridge. But it was stated with certainty that if we do in-person voting, it's going to accelerate the transmission of COVID-19 and increase the number of cases. Well, you know what? It did not happen. That, that was wrong. There are only a handful, as near as they've been able to figure out, only a near a handful of cases of people who, who voted who ultimately got corona, uh, the coronavirus. And in, in those cases, they're, they're not saying, even, even the authorities are not saying that they think it's directly related to the election. It, it could have been, hey, um, somebody went to the gas pump and touched something or, or whatever. So, you know, we think we know all this stuff. And we think there's a degree of certainty, and we're positive this is going to happen. And then, well, it turns out that's not exactly the case. There's an interesting story in the Wall Street Journal today, and um, it, it talks about, you know, how we resurrect the economy while still being safe. And it, it focuses, I guess, on the fact that if you look at where most of the coronavirus cases come from, not all, but, but most of them, it comes from institutional settings and close family settings, the nursing homes, the meatpacking plant where people are, are side by side. Matter of fact, they quote, you know, one of this virologist who's leading an investigation in, in Germany, and they find that, that there's little evidence that shopping or even touching contaminated services surfaces posed a significant risk to a well-advised public. And now that, of course, is the key. It's a well-advised public. We in Wisconsin, I think, were well advised. The procedures they took, the social distancing, the number of people wearing masks, the bring your own pens, the let's clean off stuff, we were well advised. And I think in general, in Wisconsin, we behaved in a very exemplary fashion given the circumstances of conducting this this election. And the result was you did not have enormous numbers of people who became infected which to me raises the question about, gee, are we on to something? And, and yes, we got to worry about nursing homes. And, yes, we've got to worry about the vulnerable populations. And, yes, you know, we got to worry about some of these businesses like the meatpacking plants where you're side by side and next to each other. But can't we take some elect- lessons maybe from the election? The predictions were, oh, this is going to be devastating. The real-world results were, no, it wasn't. Can't we take some of that and, moving forward, figure out, all right, how we can start getting some of the 300,000-plus people who've lost their jobs and are seeking unemployment back to work. Just asking. All right, speaking about going back to work, there's a real interesting thing going on which has created a disincentive for people to want to go back to work. We're going to discuss that more fully in just a minute. If you're out, stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. You know, it's interesting. Dow Jones Industrial Average right now up about 645 points. The Nasdaq up 309 points. And, and that's on the heels of news breaking today that the U.S. economy shrank at a 4.8% pace in the first quarter as coronavirus spread. That's gross domestic prod, uh, uh, product. I mean, down 4.8% because consumer spending has essentially 
fallen off the off the table. I mean, people aren't spending money. A lot of people have lost their jobs, don't know when they're going to get back to work. And so you've seen the greatest drop in gross domestic product in a quarter since, I believe, 2008. And so you might say, well, that's just horrible economic news, because it is horrible economic news. Why is the stock market up? Well, the stock market's up because it's, it's like a forward indicator, forward-looking indicator. And I, I think there's some positive news out there about some trials involving perhaps a, a therapeutic for COVID-19. Plus, you do have some states that are starting to reopen. And so the idea is, okay, we're, we're thinking things are, are going to get better. And there is an element to that. But there is also, I think, a few things that are holding it back. We talked about this briefly last week, and I kind of want to revisit it because there's a couple more stories that are out there. Um, Typically, what happens when you lose your job, you can apply for unemployment. All right. You know, and unemployment is typically a percentage of the amount of money that you would make if you were working at your job. And it typically doesn't cover all the it doesn't fully cover, you know, all that you would make. So, for example, and they're, they're, let's say for the sake of argument, you would make, I don't know, $450 a, a week at your job. Unemployment might might pay you, I don't know, 300 350 maybe a little bit less. But but the incentive is there for you to go back to work because you're, you're losing money. Even though you're not working, you're, you're not replacing all your income. Well, the federal government has decided to step in with stimulus programs. And so what they are doing through the end of July is that people who have lost their jobs right, are getting – in addition to their state unemployment compensation, they're getting an extra $600 a week. And that has created this kind of weird situation where you have people, and the Wall Street Journal has a big piece on this out today, where you have people who, by staying at home and not working, by the time you add the state benefits together with the extra 600 bucks the federal government is giving you, you make a lot more money by not working than you do by working. And actually, their numbers say that uh, when you look at this, their estimates are that they believe that about half of the workforce that has gone on unemployment, about half of the workforce makes more money by sitting at home and not working than they do at work with working. Now, in Wisconsin, if you have an employer that goes and offers to rehire somebody, under normal circumstances, that person, if they say no, they're not eligible, they lose their eligibility for unemployment insurance. That, that's how it typically works. But there's two things. First, under the federal law, it's questionable about whether or not that, that rule still applies because this new federal law has said, hey, if you, are, if you have a reasonable fear that you might get sick by going back to work, well, then, you know, you don't have to go back to work. So it's kind of unclear as to whether or not, I don't know, somebody who gets offered their job back simply by saying, well, no, I'm afraid I might catch coronavirus, whether they would be able to continue to get unemployment. That's number one. Number two, there are a lot of employers who, frankly, they're not going to turn people in. I mean, that that's just kind of the reality. If you have... 
I don't know, you have a bunch of employees that you have had to lay off because your business has been closed by government order or your business has been closed because, well, just the, the demand has drawn dried up. All right, and so people are getting unemployment. I mean, if you offer somebody their job back, how many employers, as a practical matter, are going to say, okay, I'm going to report you to, to the state? Some might, but a lot won't. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question, and it is a sincere one. Because of the way we have set this up, do you believe that there will be a significant portion of people who are hesitant or even unwilling to go back to work at least until the $600 you know, federal weekly payment disappears, which right now is scheduled to be at the end of July. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And frankly, could you blame somebody? I mean, you know, if you're in a situation where, through no fault of your own, you have, you have been laid off, and you're now getting your state unemployment, and you're getting this extra 600 bucks, and you can make more money by not working than you can by going and working 40 hours a week. I mean, would we fault anybody for saying, heck no, I, I'm not going to go back? 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In some respects, I, I think when we want to start talking about you know jump-starting the economy, I, I think in some respects we have created a monster in a well-intentioned way. I, I get it. We want to help people get over this this problem. We don't want people getting foreclosed on. We don't want people not being able to, you know, buy food. So I understand the motivation of this. But in the real world, and like I say, the Wall Street Journal says their estimates are about half of the population who's been unemployed make will make more by simply not working than they will if they work. 855-616-1620. Ray on the south side. Ray, you're first. Good afternoon. Hello. I, uh, hi, work for, uh, hi. I work for uh, Truck and Outfit here in Milwaukee, and uh, we have about 10 people laid off right now, and uh, I'm frankly, I wish I was one of them. I'm still out here making, you know, going into 15 to 20 different uh, businesses a day, and the 10 guys that are laid off, they're literally making twice as much money by by staying home and not having to deal with being out in all this corona and everything. It just seems so remarkably we'll unfair to the person that's out here doing it where I could be making twice as much money if I was at home, safe and sound. It just don't make any sense to me. So I mean, this is so in your workplace. This is a real world situation. You got people that are sitting at home that would otherwise be doing your job. They're sitting at home, but they're making more money than you are by going to work. Twice as much. Wow. <laughs> I just I, like I was telling you, screener. I wish I didn't have quite so much seniority because I'm telling you, I'd rather I'd rather be at home and not having to essentially put my life on the line here, stopping in the fifteen to twenty different uh, companies every day and. You know, put myself at risk when I could be at home, safe and sound, making twice right. as much money. Right. Thanks it's for calling. I appreciate it. Well, no, well, I mean, and that's, if you look at the numbers, that's how it works out. Now, I mean, the one exception. And the one kicker in that is is the whole issue of benefits that, that, that have a value as well. But in, in a lot of the examples they're looking at, the people aren't getting benefits or there, there's not a huge 
deal to that. I, I mean, I don't know, but I mean, for people, particularly people who you know don't qualify for the benefits and things like that. And by the way, I I don't necessarily fault somebody for that. I mean, I I I understand that dynamic. You know, I mean, Ray's making the point. Hey, I'm I'm out here. I'm busting my hump. You know, day after day after day, and I'm in an essential business. And some of my coworkers are making more money than me by sitting at home. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. And I understand this doesn't this does this isn't everybody. You, you may you got to do the math in your particular situation. But is this going to make it more difficult? to get people back to work when we open up. All right, if you're online, we got a lot of great calls on the line. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Larry on the north side. Larry, good afternoon, and thanks for waiting. Hey, thanks, Matt. You have an excellent show, so you know. Uh, Thank you. I always call in from time to time. Uh, what I want to mention is this. We're having the same problem on Walkshaw. I won't name the company where I work at. All we make 15 bucks an hour. But th- th- we're, we're having a shipping problem where we're down eight-plus employees. We, make the, uh, we have the parts to ship out for the ventilators and different other parts. Because of this, this unemployment situation is spread throughout both facilities that you can, at our, at our job, which everyone knows, you can just say, I don't feel safe, and you yes. can apply for unemployment. And can you correct me? The unemployment clause says is this. You do not have to look for work while you're receiving the 600 plus whatever benefit you would have received. So that's spread like wildfire, and we're down a number of people with this situation. I don't understand. Why, is it, why did they eliminate that clause for you looking for work? So you're saying that because of the pandemic, that I can sit at home till July, don't have to do your job searches, and collect all of this money. I don't make a – we get paid every week. I don't make a ton of money, but I just believe the loyalty is what you're going to lose right. at the end of this. The people that stayed around will have more loyalty to the company that they may take care of those individuals when they start coming back to a tight job market. What do you think? Well, thanks for the call. I, I mean, look, I mean, the typically in Wisconsin – you, you can't, you have to look for work, and if your employer offers you your job back and you refuse it, you're, you're thrown off of unemployment. That, that's typically it. Now, of course, that, that requires the employer to turn you in. That, that's, that's number one. And, and what they're finding nationwide with this is employers are reluctant to do that given, you know, everything that's going on now. So you've got that. Then as part of this, this federal law that they passed, that the stimulus, the extra 600 bucks, there's a provision they put in the federal law saying that if you are concerned that, for example, going back to your job would, would, if you have a reasonable concern that you might get sick as a result of that, well then, okay, then, then you don't have to go back. And you can still get the money. Now, whether or not that also is going to trump the state provision, no pun when I say trump, but whether or not how that's going to interact with the, the state thing saying that, you know, if you if you refuse to go back, you know, you're off unemployment, I, I don't know. But the way this is playing out right now is you have, again, a financial disincentive to go back to work. And again, I'm not faulting, by the way, workers who, who make this decision that they don't want to go back to work. I mean, I, I understand it. It, it. it makes eminent sense. You know, we, we saw this 10 years ago 
when you had the big recession of 2008, 2009, and you had huge unemployment, and people really, there weren't jobs out there. So what we saw was the government, the state and the federal government, started extending unemployment compensation. Normally, if you could stay on it for 13 weeks or 26 weeks or whatever, you know, some states allowed you like a year, year plus, and, and they, because there weren't jobs to go back to. Well, one of the things that they found was that as the economy started to improve, people didn't rush back to, to work until their unemployment benefits were ready to expire. Now, that's not everybody. Again, I didn't even fault those people because, candidly, I get it. You know, if you're working at a job, particularly a job that, that's that's physically demanding or that you don't particularly find challenging or rewarding or you don't like, and the idea is, you know, if you can make 70% of what you're, you're making or 60% by not working, all right, I understand there's a disincentive. Now we're in this situation that at least through the end of July, for lots and lots of employees, you're in a situation where you can take make more money. Now that's, again, it, it's not everybody. Wall Street Journal says slightly more than half. 855-616-1620. Tony downtown. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Uh, Hi, Tony. With the... Uh, with- so unemployment, I get paid about a third of what I would normally get paid if I was working, which is about right. $300. So if you add the extra $600, I still come up about two to $300 short of what I would get paid weekly if I was still working. So I right. So that. you have an you have an incentive to go back to work as soon as you as you can because you're one of those people right. that's that's losing money by being unemployed. Sure. Yeah. Sure. By a lot. So the six hundred dollars hasn't even hit yet, and right. so technically I've been losing a lot more money, and I can't find a job. So I would rather be at work than be at home. Right, right. And like I say, I mean the the and, and see I know and I know there's a lot of people that that are I know that there's a lot of people that are like that. On, on the other hand, Tony, let, I mean, if, if the situation were reversed, and, and by the way, I wouldn't criticize you for this, if if the numbers were a little bit different in your case and you could make $200 more a week staying home and not working than going to work, I, I mean, I, if you said to me, Jeff, I'm going to stay home, I would certainly understand that. That makes a ton of sense to me. I mean, it, it, the numbers don't work out that way in your case, but if they did, I mean, I wouldn't fault you for staying home. It makes sense. Oh, yeah, I get that, but then you're also yeah. missing out on 401k or health benefits and all the things like right. that. Yeah, no, thanks for calling. No, that's what I said. I mean, that's why, you know, it, and it, I mean, you factor in benefits. And it's a different, di- and that, that changes the, the equation, right? Whether it's, um, although, you know, 401k contributions are kind of going the, the way of the dodo bird nowadays with a lot of the cutbacks. Those are one of the first things they're going with companies. But, but health benefits would, would be a huge one. So, yeah, yeah, if you, if you're, depending on your situation, if by being laid off, what, you're, you're suddenly on your own for your health insurance. That that's then you've got an incentive. I would imagine in most cases to go back as soon as possible. We're just looking at the the, the raw numbers that are out there. Um, let's talk to Kathleen in Mequon. Kathleen, you're on WTMJ. Yes, hi Jeff. It's hi, Kathleen. Kathleen. I understand how people feel about the people who feel they'll be getting that six hundred per week until the end of July. However, I think we're right. missing part of the equation. And that is a large number of people will probably not get their job back due to downsizing or companies going out of business. So mm-hmm. I think we lost fact of lost, you know, the part of the equation here. 
thank well, you. Right, and for those, no, no, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And and and, and right, I mean that's. Th- that's the factor as well. I mean, I'm looking at this number, these numbers. What, well, there's a story I'm going to do a little bit later on. But, yeah, you, you look at the – there was a survey out that we talked about a couple of days ago that they said that they, they estimate that, like, 30 to 35% of the businesses might not come back if this if this shutdown goes on another, like, 30 or 60 days or 30 days or whatever. And I, and, and, and you hope that that's, that's not the case. So, yes, and I understand the, the motivation behind – trying to get money into people's hands. I and I, and I, I don't fault that because it, it is well intentioned. I guess I just kind of look at this as being the law of unintended consequences because for the businesses that are trying to reopen who've been forced to, you know, lay off their employees. And again, it's not all because of government shutdown. I mean there's there's lots of stores, for example, Kohl's is a classic example. Kohl's could be open. I mean, Kohl's could be open if Kohl's wanted to be open. Kohl's is closed because what they found is the the demand just just dropped off the off the cliff. I mean, it, it's not that the government's order. I believe Kohl's could have been open. They would I think qualified as an essential business. But there's lots of places that you know could be open, but they've just decided okay, it doesn't make economic sense to do this, and so th- they've made that decision. And, and yes, some of those jobs are perhaps you know going to go away. My only point is it's going to be more difficult to get people back to work as long as you've got a disincentive to stay away. And and, and again, I, I understand that there's some interesting nuances in the law, but I really do wonder, you know, first of all, if you're an employer and you offer somebody who's worked for you for 10 or 12 years, you offer them their, their job back and you've had to lay them off because there's been no business or whatever, and they say, no, boss, I really want to stay till July, are you, are you going to... <laughs> Are you going to are you going to report them? You know, putting aside whether or not the federal law might you know allow them some leeway in that. I mean, are, are you going to turn them in? It's it's this is going to be a dynamic which I, I it's an unintended consequence, but it's a real consequence. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. And, and, and by the way, I. As we're trying to make clear, in, in my example, this doesn't apply to everybody who's lost their job. Uh, the Wall Street Journal says that they did the math and they, they think it looks like it applies to slightly more than half of people who, who've become unemployed as a result of all the stuff that's been going on in the last several weeks. But but it doesn't apply to everybody. I mean, here's a text I have from one of my listeners in the Fox Valley. Jeff, the, there are no jobs for many of us. Our management team collectively lost our jobs on March 24th of this year. I've got a BA and an MS degree. Nobody is hiring in my skill set. The $950 weekly check just barely matches what I was taking home. But I want to go to work and I can't find a job. I've sent out over 100 applications and resumes and, and that's and that's of course the case and again i'm not I, I, so here, here's the deal it, it's designed to help people you know again with one of these sort of temporary things and i understand that there's a lot of people that would, would rather be at work and like i said earlier you factor in benefits and that kind of changes the math a little bit but we have created this sort of, sort of a perverse thing a particularly among people who aren't the higher earners, and my guess is, you know, maybe they're they're involved in jobs that they don't find as fulfilling as, say, maybe somebody who's on a management track in some other company or something like that. But they've got an incentive to stay home, and I understand it. I don't fault people for doing that, but the question becomes, 
all right, is, is that going to slow our recovery? Is there going to be a difficulty when we allow people to reopen? Let's say that, you know, we, we say in the next couple of weeks, here, we're, we're going to reopen. Boom. You know, our employer is going to find that they're having a hard time getting their employees back. Just an interesting question. Uh, just a follow-up on something that we talked about on Monday's program that I, I've seen discussed with perhaps one one television sec- station. Otherwise, I haven't seen anybody talking about this. But it, it is it is something that makes absolutely no sense. Uh, the elections were, what, early April. And interestingly, in the city of Milwaukee, two weeks after the election, if you went out to your mailbox last Saturday or Monday, you got a letter from the city, or you might have gotten a letter from the city, and and it had a very, very rude surprise in it because what you would have found is that even at this time of, of coronavirus, the city has decided to jack up the assessment, the assessed value of people's homes. And in some cases, and we, we took calls for about a half hour, you had people that said, hey, we, we'd made no improvements a, at all, and suddenly the city says our, our house is worth $50,000 more or $100,000 more, et cetera, et cetera. And in general, almost all of the notices are saying it, it's gone up. Now, okay, I, I understand that we've been in a period where we've had kind of a hot real estate market, but... I think that dynamic has has changed. Now, some I hear whenever I say that I hear from some real estate agents who I think it's wishful thinking, but but they're saying no, no, no. You you don't understand. This is you know people people are are still going to be buying houses, and there's a shortage of supply that are out there. Well, part of the reason there might be a shortage of supply right now is there there might just be you know people who are reluctant to like move up to bigger houses or reluctant to move or or whatever so i mean just because you've had a hot real estate market doesn't necessarily mean that after the bottom has fallen out of the economy did i mention there was a 4.8 percent drop in gdp this quarter which is the worst drop in gdp for the last decade and if you don't think where you have an enormous number of people, 300,000-plus people unemployed in Wisconsin, not to mention you know, the, the national crisis that's going on, not to mention all the uncertainty. I, I guess if, if people don't think that that's going to have an effect on the real estate market, well, okay, salute, but I, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. It's why a couple aldermen, Mark Borkowski in particular, are out there saying what we want to do is while this is going through, while we are doing with this, we want to freeze all assessments at pre-coronavirus levels. We want to freeze the assessments because, again, first of all, it's kind of adding insult to injury if we're going to be jacking up people's property taxes. And property taxes are based on the mill rate times the assessed value. So if you jack up the assessed value and you reduce the mill rate by a comparable proportion, it's not a net increase. I don't. If you think that's going to happen, yeah, good luck. You know, good good luck. So the argument is: look, while we've got Milwaukeeans, while we've got people who are hurting, whose situation is uncertain, and whose property values, you know, we don't know exactly what it's going to be, given the fact that stuff is markedly different today than say it, it was on January first. You know, maybe what we should be doing is freezing the assessed values until we see where we are 
three months from now, six months from now. Let's see what the market is. And like I say, I know there's a lot of real estate agents that I hear from who say, Jeff, that this is this is just a little tiny blip. You know, it's it's going to be it's going to be a huge summer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And believe me, I hope you're right. I, I'm not rooting against you. I'm not rooting against you know decline rooting for property declining property values or anything like that. I hope you're right. I, I do, but. I think there's so much uncertainty that's out there now that to simply say, okay, well, we think that your house is now worth $50,000 more or $100,000 more than it was, I don't know, in, in the last assessment. I, I think that that's something that maybe if we really wanted to have government that was looking out for the people that are paying the freight might be a good alternative to just kind of like pull back and say, let's wait. So I don't know if it's going to get any traction. You don't know how Tom Barrett would feel about, you know, freezing values at a pre-assessment level. But wonder what would have happened. And this is just kind of speculation. Wonder if it would have made any difference in the mayor's race if these assessments would have come out two weeks before the election as opposed to coming out two weeks after the election. Just just kind of wondering. And on a state level, Governor Evers announcing today that something that I think has been inevitable so far that the fallout economically from coronavirus has been not exclusively, but largely a private sector phenomenon. Now, I understand that there's there's some government agencies who've done layoffs and things like that, but, but in general... You know, government so far has managed to avoid massive furloughs, massive pay cuts, etc. And there are exceptions. I understand that. But this has been mostly a private sector thing so far. That is changing. More school districts are now starting to furlough people, things like that. Um, and Governor Evers announcing today that we're going to have to cut state spending by 5% because tax revenues are starting to dry up. That's going to get worse, not better. So for people who maybe have been immune to the impact of this so far uh, because you work in the public sector, that, that's, that's going to change, and it's going to change quickly. All right, when we come back after the news, the term is quarantine fatigue. Have you caught it? We'll discuss. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. The term is quarantine fatigue. And what it essentially means is that we're getting sick of being told that we can't go where we want to go. And so people are starting to rebel against that. Now, you've seen that in some of the protests that are out there, but, but it's more than that, and it's, it's somewhat more subtle. There's a story I'm looking at in the Washington Post. There's this researcher out of Maryland, and apparently they've been doing this study where they track cell phone data. You know, your cell phone is watching you, and if you don't have certain settings tech uh, turned off, they, they can tell, you know, where, where you are. And here's what they find. They found that um, in the beginning of March, when, when the stay-at-home orders started coming out, you had uh, about a national high of, of 35% compliance, meaning people, people just didn't go out hardly anywhere. By last Friday, that number had gone down 6% to 29%. Um, what they found is that over a two-week period, uh, Americans continued to travel about the same amount for work 
but the average number of non-work trips by plane, by car, by bicycle, by foot, and mass transit made daily per person increased 8% over that two-week period. So in other words, the longer this has gone on, what you've seen is, is more and more Americans who've just been saying, okay, we're we're not going to stay home anymore. We, we've got to we've got to get out now. Whether that's just because they're going stir crazy, or whether it's because you know they're deciding that okay, I, I know about this social distancing stuff, and I don't feel myself at, at as much of a risk, etc. But more and more people are apparently, if you believe this data, and I, I think I, I do, are saying okay, we're we we can't shelter in place forever. And we're kind of reaching that that limit, that threshold. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let us tee this up. Do, do, you have, do you have quarantine fatigue? And are you going to have trouble? Let's say, let's say the governor wins this lawsuit. I don't think he's going to, but let's say the governor wins his lawsuit and the, the stay, the, the shelter in place, stay at home orders. Uh, stay, you know, essentially, you know, in the same sort of situation that that they are for like the the next month. It's um, what is it, April 29th today for the next four weeks. Do you think people are going to be able to comply with this? Are you going to be able to continue to comply with this? Or do you think that there's going to be, well, I don't know, maybe a, a rebellion and just nationwide, like I say, they study cell phone data and they're starting to already see people who are, well, they're, they're making more of the non-work trips, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, keep in mind, too, one of the things that you're going to see is the weather's going to be getting nicer. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's easier to stay at home in Wisconsin when it's 35 degrees on a cold March afternoon and you've got a cold rain. It is perhaps tougher to, you know, not go out and travel when you've got a wonderful spring day in early May. Quarantine fatigue, 855-616-1620. Gianni and Montello, you're first. Good afternoon. Yeah, Jeff, a uh, uh, great show, great topic. Uh, yeah, I broke Thanks. quarantine this morning. I've been holed up uh, for two weeks, and we were running low of food. I take care of my father, who's 94 years old. So I, I had to go to the store this morning, and uh, I just had to see other people, the, the cashiers, the people that work at the local grocery. Um, it, it's, it, this has been um, an arduous task to stay home, and I, I'm glad I got out this morning. I haven't been able right. to deliver product to any of my businesses, so I, I, I said I broke quarantine. I wore the masks, uh, and I wore the gloves this morning. But right. um, I, I hope this doesn't last too much longer because the weather is getting better, and uh, i, I got to get out. You know, it, well, no, i got to no, see thank, other no, people. Thank- no, thanks for calling. Because we are a, a social people. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I told the story the other day. Okay, I mean, our, our our involvement, other than going to grocery stores and and things like that, and 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 walking. You know, my my wife and I, we we've had very very limited contact with other people, at least in in a firsthand sort of you know face to face kind of basis. You know, on on like the grandkids' birthday, have we driven over to their place and you know given them the gifts and then kind of stood away for, you know outside, haven't been in the houses or anything like that. Have we done that? Y- yes, but that's that's not the same. So uh, on Sunday, what we did is we hooked up with another couple friends of ours who we hadn't seen for for a while, and we we went on a, a three plus mile walk and then. Then what we did is we 
ordered a couple pizzas, and we went over to their house, and we sat out on, on the patio and, you know, maintaining a degree of distance. But, you know, we, we did interact with them, and we, we had the pizzas out on the table and a couple glasses of wine or beer or whatever. And I will tell you, we just had an absolute blast. And it's not because it's it's, it's certainly we, we enjoy the couple of this couple and we hadn't seen it, the company of this couple hadn't seen them for a while but I think part of it was gee you know here it's at least a little bit of a sense of of normalcy that, that's out there and I think there's a lot of people that are going to start doing that especially especially once the weather gets nicer and yeah you you can kind of sit out on the patio and you can interact with people uh, again again trying to be smart about it but also recognizing that, okay, that the people we were with, for example, weren't in any of the high-risk groups. We're not in the high-risk groups. I just think it's going to be tougher, tougher to try to maintain these these quarantines. Now, people are going to still do social distancing, but I, I do think there's quarantine fatigue that, that's starting to set in, and I think that's got to be on the minds of some officials as we try to figure out how do we figure out what the new normal is going to be. But the new normal has to include an ability for people to interact with each other. 855-616-1620. Zach in Greenfield. Zach, you're on WTMJ. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Like I told your producer, I'm I'm technically incriminating myself uh, for breaking the quarantine by taking my kids to Bender Park on Sunday and having them walk on the rocks a little bit, and we walked on the bike trail. And, right. and it, for me, it was like it was a sense of normalcy. Like, that's all yeah. I'm looking for right now is little pieces of being normal because this, you know, shelter in place, you know, is, as much as I believe in COVID-19 and that it's contagious and that it's hurtful, this staying in the house and becoming this, like, electronic slave, because that's I literally I feel myself. I see my kids. You know, where I, I last night at nine o'clock, I made them read a book. I said, "Put your stuff down, <laughs> grab a book, and you have because this is now is almost like a different type of disease now because you know right. there's no spring sports. You know, my daughter's not swimming, my son's not playing baseball. There's a level of you know the routine is the, yeah. is the thing that we're you know, we're creatures of routine and this sheltering in place. And this is where I wish the governor." All he had to do was go on a two-week schedule instead of going the whole month. And, you know, if he would have, you know, that would have been, I think, a little bit more prudent on his part. But, you know, well, so it, people see light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, so people see light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah, I mean, And you're so right about the weather because, you know, it's, a, you know, it's okay. Like today is a doomy, gloomy day, so it's like it's okay. Right. But, like, those, those days that it hit 70, we went down to Lake Geneva to Williams Bay. We just walked on the pier. That's all we did. It was like a 30-minute right. walk on the pier. But I'm like, you kids got to get out a little. You got to see. You know, you can't, this cooped upness, I, I can't handle it as a parent. I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, I have responsibilities also for my kids' upbringing. And I'm not putting them, you know, when I take them to, you know, an inside an arena tomorrow, probably not. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, but- still, I still have that apprehension. But to be outside on a bike trail, I'm sorry. You know, if, if it's going to come down to that, then we're, we have bigger problems. So well, thank you, Justin. No, no thank, thanks for calling. I mean, I think this is part of the reality that's out there. Uh, and again, I mean, especially as the weather, look, as, as the weather gets nicer, and, again, I, I'm assuming you're, you're not in one of these, like, high-risk sort of situations. That's a completely different story. But I think there's going to be more and more people who are, 
you know, they've, they've been looking at their neighbors across the way and just kind of waving to them for the last month. And I think as weather gets nicer, there's going to be this tremendous pressure where people are going to say, you know what? Okay, let's, let, let's meet on the patio. And, you know, we'll, we're going to, we're going to sit on the patio and we're going to, you know, we're going to have a, we're going to have a drink or something like that. I think you're going to see more and more of that. And it's not because people are irresponsible. It's not because people are scofflaws. It's just at some point in time, there's going to be this kind of weighing of things that is going to be going on. And people are going to say, look, I, I can't spend the next three or six months or, or whatever this is, you know, confined in, in my home, uh, especially in an area like we're not New York City, where you, you have, you know, just, just the huge you know, hospitals being overwhelmed. I think this is something that people, I think, I think this, this whole quarantine issue is a real thing. Tim in Kenosha. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Jeff, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Just um, sure. I'm an outside sales representative, and I've been taking this really serious for the past month. My wife's a nurse. She has to deal with some COVID confirmed patients. So, and we got a baby at home. So, I, as an outside sales rep, I'm stuck at home. I can't go to right. do any residential or commercial appointments. But I'm at the point right now where do I think social distancing has helped? Probably, but I'm ready to sure. get back out there. I'm going on a sales yeah. call right now. I mean, staying at home, you're getting depressed. I've been drinking more. I mean, it's, you know, the, the consequences are going to outweigh a lot worse than the, the virus itself. Let's get back to work. Let's get these businesses going. Well, th- no, no, thanks for calling him. And, and I guess, see, and I'm not, I'm just saying, I, 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 look, I think this whole social distancing thing makes incredible sense. You know, go, going back to, you know, what I was talking about in the first hour of the program, we had the, the Secretary of Health made these dire, when, when we were going to have the election, April, the day before the election, she's out there saying, if we have this in-person election, it's going to result in a, you know, a, 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 I sent it out on a tweet or exact words, but essentially, you know, we're going to have a dramatic increase in the number of COVID-19 cases, and that's going to lead to a number of deaths. It didn't work out that way in part because I think we are serious about about social distancing and, and doing those sort of things. This morning, all right, I, I just, and this morning, my, my wife, uh, the key fob on for her car, it, it was a low battery. So I, I, I said, look, I'll take care of this. I, I drove down to, like, there's a Batteries Plus store. I love Batteries Plus. They should be an advertiser. I love Batteries Plus. And I walk into the store, and it's just me in the store, and there's the guy that's mopping the floor, and then there's the guy who replaces the batteries. So there were just the three of us in the store, and, you know, I give him the key fob. It's a new battery, and he gives me, you know, he, he takes a minute to fix it. He fixes it. And so it was this, it was this thing, but I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, you know, I, I, have I put myself in substantial risk because I got the, this key fob? I don't think so. Now, one of the things I did is as soon as I got back out to the car, because I'm holding the same key fob that this guy handled, I, I have my little thing of, of hand sanitizer, and I, I wash my hands, and I, I guess that, that's the best that I can possibly do. And, and, and I guess is it possible that I might have been exposed? Maybe. But at the same time, these are the kind of risks that, that you, you take. We needed the key fob. We needed the new battery because I didn't want the car dying if my wife happened to take it out somewhere. So these are kind of the balancing things that are going on. But the longer this goes, the tougher I think it is going to be to force people to stay home. At the same time, I I do think, you know, we need to reinforce the idea of when you go out, okay, just be aware. Use the hand sanitizer, okay? If you've got the places like Costco that now want to have the masks, okay, put, put on the masks and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, let... 
People are going to start doing this. This is the reality. So maybe we need to shift to the stage where we encourage people, given that they're going to start doing this, they're going to start rebelling against some of these quarantines, let's encourage them to do this in a safe way. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. That was Tony Evers daily press conference. You know, one of let's get away from COVID-19 for just just a couple minutes. I have gotten a number of texts and a number of emails from people wondering why they haven't heard any conversation on my program or on on the the station about these allegations about of, of sexual harassment slash assault against Joe Biden. I, I can't speak for other hosts. I, I don't know what other people have done. I, I, I acknowledge I, I have not talked about it because I never know what to do with these, these allegations. If you haven't been following it, there's a, there's a former staffer to now the presumptive Democrat nominee for president, Joe Biden. Her name is, is Tara Reid, and she has gone public alleging that Biden assaulted her in a Capitol building in 1993 when she worked as as an aide. Biden has not been questioned about this directly. Um, he has denied through his aide, the campaign has denied the assault took place and has um, encouraged the press to investigate. Um, there are people who, I mean, say that they were told about the alleged assault around the, the time that this happened. And so to that extent, I guess it, it provides corroboration. This Tara Reid has given, you know, multiple conflicting stories. And the allegations of Biden's conduct ha- have gotten worse. The, her allegations have gotten worse as time has gone on. I, I, I don't talk. I haven't talked about this stuff because, candidly, I, I don't know what to make of, of this. Now, the interesting thing that's out there is we, we live in this Me Too world. And if you will remember during the confirmation hearings of now Justice Kavanaugh, you know, there were, you know, women, one in particular, but a couple women who came forward and said, hey, you know, back when he was in high school, he he did this or this happened when we were in college, et cetera, et cetera. And these were, these were situations that were, you know, decades old. There didn't appear to be a, a lengthy pattern of these things. But actually, I mean, some of the Me Too advocates were there saying, hey, you know, if a woman comes forward and says this, she automatically has to be believed. Well, okay, um, I, I, I wasn't comfortable with that a, at all. And I, I argued that when we were talking about Justice Kavanaugh, and I, I've made that, that point before. I mean, it's one thing when you've got somebody like a Bill Cosby or a um, Harvey Weinstein where you clearly have th- this pattern that's out there where you have you know multiple women and i mean lots of women coming forward and saying okay over a pattern of of years i mean you know this you know bill cosby started doing this in the 60s and he was considering doing it and considered doing what he did for for decades that's that's one thing it's another thing where again you have what is is apparently even if it's true, and I'm saying even if it's true, it's this this isolated behavior that it's not like people are out there saying that, for example, Joe Biden was this serial molester. There, there, at least to my knowledge, there's there's not these sort of multiple allegations that were out there. So, I mean, I admit I wrestle with with saying, you know, what, what do you do with things like this? Because the truth is, given the fact that these allegations go back to 1993, you're, you're never going to know for certain what happened 27 years ago because 
She didn't go to authorities, and you can understand why, why she might not have done that. I, I get all this type of stuff, but she didn't go to authorities. There wasn't an opportunity for a contemporaneous investigation, and you're in a situation where it, it really does become one of these he said, she said sort of things. I, I don't believe, and I argued this when the whole debate was going on with Justice Kavanaugh, that you can automatically say, okay, somebody alleges something horrible happened you know, 30, 35 years ago, you have to automatically assume that that, that, that that's accurate. You, I don't know that you can do that. I, I think you know people are entitled to a degree of, of due process. And so, yes, it, it's true that you know we haven't talked a lot about the, these Biden allegations. I, I don't because I don't honestly know what to make of them. And the truth is, I don't think anybody knows what to make of them. And you're never going to be able to get to the bottom of it again because of the passage of of time. It is interesting that there is a media double standard because, uh, again, with the Kavanaugh situation, it was front page news and you had all these people that were coming out and saying you have to believe the accuser. I didn't think that was accurate. I don't discount what she says, but at the same time, I, I don't feel comfortable saying, oh, this means that Joe Biden shouldn't be the president of the United States because somebody makes this allegation from 1993. So if people are wondering why haven't you at least talked about it. That, that's it, because I don't know what to make of this other than it's a really old allegation, and while serious and certainly something that should be condemned if it happened, I don't know how you prove one way or the other whether it happened or not. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, well, lots of stuff in the last hour of the program. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us on a gloomy Wednesday afternoon. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to take your temperature, no, no pun intended. How worried are you? about getting coronavirus. 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How worried are you about getting coronavirus? We're, of course, now you know, uh, five weeks into the Safer at Home. The, the coronavirus pandemic has been flaring in the United States for <clears throat> the better part of now, now two months. But how worried are you? about getting it, whether you're an essential worker and you're in the workplace or you're somebody who's been working at home or you're just sheltering at home or you've lost your job, whatever. How worried are you? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I, I ask this question because I think, you know, people's positions perhaps evolve over time. I'm um, I'm going to be curious. I was listening to the, the governor's press conference and the comments by the, the secretary of the Department of Health. And one of the things she said is that they're starting to they, they want to they want to track where where the virus is and where it's coming from. And I think that that's going to be interesting because one of the things that I think we're, we're starting to see and we're, we're moving forward or, or going backward or whatever, I think we're going to see that a large large number of the people who who get infected or have been infected it's going to come from a a couple places it's going to come from workplaces 
where it is almost impossible to practice social distancing, like like the meat plants. And that's, I mean, the, the, the spike in numbers, that, to the extent there has been a spike that we've seen in Wisconsin over the last you know, week or two, it, it's, it's the meat plant. Brown County, et cetera, it just explodes. And it's like lots of workers that are next to each other on the assembly line, and it's tough to keep the masks on and all that. So you've got the, these workplaces where it's very, very difficult to practice social distancing, and you have institutions. And, you know, it starts with nursing homes. And, I mean, you understand, you've got people who are particularly vulnerable. They live in very, very close quarters, and people are going down to the same dining rooms, and people are using the same elevators, and they're touching the same handrails. It is going to be interesting to see what percentage of the overall number of people who who became sick did, did it come from these these workplaces without social distancing? Did it come from these institutions and the, these senior living facilities, et cetera? And my guess is the answer is going to be yes. There's a huge percentage. On top of that, I mean, there was a study out of New York the other day that looked at the, the fatalities in the largest health care system in New York, the fatalities, and to the surprise of no one, it found out that almost all of the people who died, almost all, were people who generally speaking, had one of those underlying health conditions that we talk about, uh, the hypertension, high blood pressure, uncontrolled diabetes, or or obesity, um, and, and generally had it in a really bad situation. It wasn't somebody who you know, was five pounds overweight. It was you know people who, who suffered in extreme situations and people who were, again, as you get older, the risk increases, and a lot of the, what they found was it was older people who also had all these various underlying health conditions. And, and I think that's important to know moving forward as we kind of assess what is the risk to the general public. But let's just tee this up. Here we are two months into this. How worried and concerned are you about getting coronavirus? Let's start with Tim and Fond du Lac. Tim, you're first. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, I'm, I'm not worried about me getting it. I think I'd be okay with it. But I'm also taking care of my parents who are in right. their mid-80s and have smoked all their lives and who's uh, lungs are paper thin, so I, that's more right. what I'm worried about. I think I'd be okay, but if I give it to them, that would that wouldn't be good. Right. Are, are, let me ask: Are your parents living with you, or are you just are they? No. You, are you like the kind no, of the caregiver? Well, it's not that I'm a caregiver, but I, I I don't want them going out to get it. So right, they're basically staying in their house. So I'm I'm getting their groceries. I'm fixing anything that right. goes bad in their house. Just something you know that that type of thing. Right. Right, and you don't want to pick it up and bring it to them because even though you're not worried that that, that you're going to be significantly ill or something, you, you don't want your parents to get it because it would be a whole different story. Correct. Yeah, understood. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. No, and that's, no, no, and I, I get that. I mean, I, I've, I've told this story before. I have a very close friend who's in his 70s who's had some significant respiratory issues. And, and yeah, I mean, that's, the, you know, am I worried that I'm going to get it? Uh, not really. I mean, I don't want to get it, don't want to get sick. But, you know, I'm, I'm generally speaking, I'm, I'm relatively healthy. I'm not dramatically in any of those target groups. I'm a little bit older, and, you know, I... I you know, have have some blood sugar issues, but I, I manage those, so I'm not that worried about it. But yeah, the, I mean, I, like I say, I have a friend who's in his 70s who's got huge respiratory problems, and, and and yeah, this is. 
I, I mean, whether it's the flu or pneumonia or COVID-19, I don't want him to get any of those, those things because that's a different sort of situation. And so that's why for the foreseeable future, I'm, I'm steering clear, and I think he's appropriately steering clear of a lot of people. Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty worried about uh, possibly uh, attracting this virus. The fact is I'm an African-American, over 65, I uh, live in Milwaukee. Uh, the fact is my wife works in the healthcare field. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's definitely always on my mind when we decide to go out and, 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 and well, out here in public. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely worried about uh, attracting it. Do you think you're going, uh, given the fact that, that COVID-19 is going to be with us for the foreseeable future, you know, until they, until they find a vaccine, if they find a vaccine or a treatment. So, so let's assume it's, it's going to be another year or two. I mean, do you think that's, do you think it's going to be something that's going to be on your mind for that whole period of time? Well, certainly, because uh, the fact is, even if the governor opens up the state, and, and things like that. There are certain areas we're not just going to go. You know, we're not going to, yeah. you know, probably go to the restaurants we used to go to, especially if there's a crowd there. Uh, the right. fact is, uh, uh, we're, we're going to definitely be wearing masks. Uh, that's what my wife and I are mm-hmm. going to do: wear a mask when we go out. So, so for until they find a vaccine or, or some way to c- curtail this virus, yeah, it's going to change our life a little bit. Yeah, so the the days of, of going to like a like a Bucks game with twenty thousand of your closest friends that that isn't going to happen anytime no. soon, huh? That's not <laughs> going to happen anytime soon. No, thanks for calling. And and that that's smart. And, and again, that's I mean, I see, I get that. That's why I think one of the things that moving forward, this tracking of, of who's getting this and, and who's having the most severe consequences, I think that's going to be significant to figuring out how we manage this moving forward. Because I completely understand, you know, Vincent's position here. Okay, you're, you know, you're in one of these, these some, you're, you start chick- ticking off some of these various boxes where you're looking at the, the higher rate of really bad stuff. I get that. I get it completely. For somebody who, I don't know, is in their 30s or 40s, maybe it's a different sort of calculation. And that's, again, no pun intended. I want to take your temperature on that. Let's talk to Jim in Milwaukee. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hello? Hi, Jim. How worried Hello. are you about getting hey. the virus? Um, not at all. At, at first I was. Um, I'm a truck driver here in the area, and we're hauling for GE. We're hauling ventilators, stuff like that. I. I get my temperature taken 15 times a day at these facilities. As as the days go on, I get less and less and less worried about it. I really do. Okay. Why do you think that is? Just because you, you just because you don't you don't see like a, a widespread sort of thing at the places that you go to? Absolutely do not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Stop. Well, thanks for call. I pre no. I get it. no. Thank. I appreciate. And again, that's. I see. I think that's it. I think that's as time goes on, we're going to to see a, a maturation of of our, our approach to this. And and look, there, like I say, there, there's going to be areas. I mean, I, I I think that when you look at like senior living facilities or nursing homes or whatever, it, it's never going to be the same. It, it's it's just it's just not because. Uh, again, you you have this this population that if it comes in, it can be ap- you know the virus it can spread like wildfire and it it can be just absolutely devastating. You know, one of the things that's going to be interesting is we're we're looking at the the outbreak in Brown County and it, again the the huge numbers 
are because of a couple of these meat processing plants where, again, people are in, in really close quarters. It was interesting because th- there has not, at least as of last Saturday, there, there hadn't been a spike in, in deaths. I, th- I think there was one new one in Brown County, which is great news. But, a- again, if that if you had had that outbreak and that spread at a senior living facility, my guess is it would have been a different sort of, of dynamic. But, you know, we're going to have a better handle on that because, again, my, my sentiment, is, my sense is that, you know, a lot of the people that might have got it in the meatpacking facility, and nobody wants to get it, don't get me wrong there, but they're, they're probably younger and, in general, perhaps a little bit healthier. And so the, the consequences aren't going to be as dramatically bad, even though nobody wants to get it, as if, you know, it was in the senior living facility. Now, our first caller made an excellent point. If you're somebody who's around people who are in that particularly vulnerable target group, well, then, then you know, it, it's a concern, not necessarily for you, but for, for them. You don't, you don't want to go over to your mom and dad's apartment if they're in their 80s and have health issues and lifetime smokers and you don't want to bring it in because even if you get it okay maybe you're going to be sick for a couple days and you're going to get over it but for them it's a whole different story um let's see uh jeff i worked um I've worked in a gas station the entire time of this outbreak. I've come in contact with hundreds of people. I'm convinced most of them have had it. I only worry for the elders that are around. Jeff, I'm 65 and healthy. My wife is an ICU nurse. We know 90% of the virus is transmitted by hand contact. We keep our hands and surfaces clean, socially distance, wear masks in the presence of others. We are cautious but unafraid. Jeff, I'm not worried at all. I haven't changed my habits all that much. I work from home. I wash my hands a little more often. I've, um, I have said that. The, the one thing that I, I, I can tell you that I have changed and, and will change for the rest of my life is I don't think I'm going to be going anywhere without a little bottle of hand sanitizer in my pocket so that after I come into contact with things, I'm going to just sanitize my hands. That's I think that's going to be the way I operate moving forward. Um, Jeff, at first I think we all panic, thinking even if you brushed against somebody, you die. Now I feel is that at least that concern is overblown. I wouldn't want to get it, however, going forward with caution. I don't feel in danger. If I get it, I don't think it would be that bad, even though I don't want it. Jeff, on a scale of 1 to 10, I would say a 10. Um, dot, 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 um, it's not worth he's talking about how he works in essential business and it's not worth getting sick jeff i work in a job considered essential keeping banks open and secure and keeping their drive up open i am not extremely concerned and i will not hide in my home until the all clear huh all right we we take the temperature from time to time I, i do think it's going to be interesting as we get more data out where we see where the huge outbreaks were and how was it that, that people got infected? I mean, my guess is when they go back and they look at what happened in New York, one of the things that they're going to see, the reason for the explosion, was the dependence on mass transportation, which, again, you know, if you start to think about things, you know, in New York, almost nobody drives a car. Um, you depend on you, you walk or you take the bus or you ride the subway or you t- take a cab. You know, and my guess is that a lot of people who got infected, you know, ended up um, sitting on that subway seat, you know, right after somebody else who, who had it got on that subway seat. In other areas where there's there's less, and plus, you know, everybody lives in apartment buildings, these high rises where all you need is one person that's sick that touches the buttons on the elevator and then everybody else touches the buttons on the elevator. I, I think in other areas 
where you don't have that population density. It'll be interesting to see these numbers. My guess is the numbers are going to come back. And again, the large numbers of infections are going to be coming from senior living facilities and some of the plants, the businesses where you can't social distance and the like. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.